1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom You're almost to the end of the week, Charles. For those of you who haven't been following closely, this is Charles's first uh Full week on the morning shift, which you used to do at back at Channel 12 when you were on TV. I think that would be harder than than this. Well, but. we would
0: get up very early so we could say that we told people it was snowing 30
1: minutes before Channel Six did. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, we're glad you're here. Hang in there to tomorrow. I know that the the first time you do this early morning shift, anybody who's worked an overnight shift or a morning shift, it really messes with your body clock. And you feel like um, yeah. You know, the first day is fine, and then the second day, okay. Third day, you're in the rhythm. But then I think it hits you on Thursday, and then you're it's like swimming. You're reaching for the wall. Please get me to the wall on Friday. So we appreciate Charles, um, uh, being here to do the morning show. Uh, it is Thursday, the twenty first day of December, twenty twenty three. Uh, I'm John Reed, and glad you're with us here on News Radio. W.R.V.A., did you hear that news? That Kim Taylor won by 53 votes, that House of Delegates seat. So, look, I was saying early this morning, I understand if you're a Republican and you're frustrated and you think, oh, my God, how much money? I give money, I volunteer, I actually go vote. You know, some people don't vote. Some people just have decided that they're not going to do it anymore, which I I get your frustration, but you can't walk away From that obligation especially when the Democrats are out getting everybody who is a total loser who doesn't contribute to the society who just wants to take your money from you they're making sure those people get to vote you know the ex-rapists get to vote the murderers who are released will get to vote they want to make sure every criminal in Virginia gets to vote but you who've never done anything wrong who gets up every morning to work you're going to walk away and let them have it? I can't do that. And when I see a result like that with a 53-vote margin where the Republican barely wins, that should be your sign. Don't give up yet. It's it's going to be a battle, but you better get out there and plan on voting and plan on staying engaged, or you, in your lifetime, you will see everything taken away from you, I'm afraid. I don't want to be bombastic or too crazy about it, but... You think that's not a, a, a valid possibility? I think it probably is. Uh, former Governor Jim Gilmore, hit, your phone must have been uh, ringing off the hook yesterday because the current governor, what, 20-some years later after you were in office, Glenn Youngkin, is still trying to do what you tried to do, which was get rid completely of the, the dreaded, hate, hated car tax. What do you think of that? Good morning to you, sir.
0: Well, good morning to you and to all your listeners. Yeah, I support the governor's initiative. I have uh, for years, over many governors, suggested that uh, that this needed to be restarted, the elimination of the of the remainder, uh, even if it was just gradual, just a little by little. And I've watched the Virginia budget balloon up to giant amounts of money. Uh, nothing more went into the elimination of the car tax. That was always very frustrating to me. But I, I applaud Governor Yunkin for restarting it. Uh, I think it's complicated. You got to figure out what you're going to do. My, my philosophy was always to get it completely gone, and then do a real tax reform that uh, did perhaps revenue sharing with the with the localities, uh, and to resolve it that way. But of course, you only have a one-term governorship in Virginia, so I could never implement any of that. Right.
1: And and. In all honesty, my recollection was that Republicans stabbed you in the back on it. I mean, they had their reasons. They they said, oh, well, we we're not going to get the revenue predictions that we that we expected, so we've got to pause this thing or stop it. What was it, at 70%? Uh,
0: yes, we got it off 70% at that time. Okay. Now, as time has marched on, they set a, a system in place that dollar by dollar by dollar would reinstate the car tax percentage. Mm. uh by, by freezing the amount of, of kickback to the to the localities. Uh but all of this is you know highly complicated. But the point is that during my time we tried to persuade people that a tax cut, particularly with the car tax cut, was a good thing. Yeah. And therefore we were willing to frame budgets to do that. Uh but once I left the governorship the the uh, the Republican renegades uh, combined with Governor Warner Uh, basically said, nope, we're going to stop the phase out, and we're going to keep the car tax in place for a while. Well, you know, gradually it's gone on, but I believe that uh, Virginians ought to reawaken themselves to the idea that a tax cut to get rid of the car tax cut is a good thing, and therefore we should shape budgets to do that. I did that. I shaped the budget going out of the door that would have completely eliminated the car tax, but once again, once you're not governor, you can't necessarily implement that, and uh, the uh, Democratic governor that came in behind me did not want to continue yeah. the car tax phase out, even though he'd run on it. Uh,
1: exactly. I mean, that was one of the maddening aspects of this. And I think turned a lot of people off. I think some people wrongly blame you when, in fact, it was people who undercut you. And it's always irked me that you kept your promise and other people chose not to back you up on it. And that still, still frustrates yeah, me. I, I to don't this day. think...
0: I don't think that's the case today. Uh, when uh, people talk to me, and everybody does all the time, including just regular citizens out on the street, I think they appreciated the fact that I got rid of 70%. Yeah. I think they're frustrated that the residue was there. It's mm-hmm. too, it, we're, we're too late in the day to worry about blaming anybody for anything. All we're really saying at this point is if Governor Young can, can put something in place to begin that phase out uh, to get it to 100%, that would be a good thing.
1: Well, the Democrats didn't respond well to any of this tax cut. Talk. And I still think that's their Achilles heel. That they don't, they talk about caring about the poor. They tell you nonstop how they love everyone. Oh, we want the poor people to do better. We're going to look after you. But then when push comes to shove and you let everybody keep more of their money, hell no, they won't go for that.
0: Uh, well, that's right. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, look, the car tax cut, getting rid of the of the car tax completely is a still a very popular thing. In fact, people are still dislike the residue. That's but, right. you know, on the bills, they show the discounts, So they're happy with me and they're happy, I think, with what has happened up to this point. Mm-hmm. But people are frustrated that they're still having to pay that bill suddenly. And I think it should be eliminated because it's a burden, as I've said many times before, on people's ability to get to and from work and take care of their kids. Yeah. So uh, this is a good initiative. It isn't easy. And in the face of a Democratic majority in the House of Delegates and the State Senate, it's probably not possible to do. But uh, politics is about messaging, saying what you want to do and what the public ought to support you doing. So we're getting ready to restart this with through Governor Youngkin, and I think it's a good thing.
1: Yeah. And then hold those other guys accountable, I hope. Had, I don't know if you heard right, my conversation true. with uh, former Governor Wilder yesterday you know, like you, he ran for president of the United States. So I asked him what he thought about the Colorado Supreme Court. Like you, he was an attorney uh, when he was working as a, as a lawyer. Um, he called it stupid and said he didn't think it would stand, which I was kind of waiting for that to be a headline yesterday that Doug Weiler would say that. What do you think, if I can ask you?
0: Uh, well, I did hear uh, Governor Wilder, and he and I are friends, of course, and I did hear him describe it as stupid, and it is stupid. Uh, the, here, Here's the, the message I would give to your listeners. When I was a Commonwealth attorney, I became aware of Virginia's law, which says you can't even investigate an elected official without the authority of either the attorney general or a grand jury. Now, why would you put something like that in place? It's not just to give a privilege to an office holder. It's instead to to recognize that the the public has to have confidence in its own elected system. Uh, And so Virginia has always been aware that to do a criminal investigation opens the door to using the law for politics. And at the end of the day, I think the the challenge that we're facing is whether it's the Georgia case, whether it's the documents case, whether it's the case in New York where the uh, attorney, Democrat attorney general ran on getting Donald Trump, uh, whether it's this uh, business in Colorado, these are these are political cases mm-hmm. and that undermines the public's confidence in its own system of government, its own democracy. So you've got to be careful about this. Uh, you know, it's one thing that we all believe in in our democracy is that the people vote and then the Electoral College represents that vote in the states. And then you elect the president. Now, uh, you know, I'm not sure that based on the facts That donald trump ever engaged in insurrection at all uh either through his behavior or through what actually happened you can't have an insurrection in this country without an actual coup without the support of either the u.s military the the military It's true in every country or uh the police Uh, nobody was trying to do that that day Mm -hmm. nobody was doing that Uh, nobody has said that we're not going to have an election this business that they've been talking about, where Donald Trump said, well, I want to be a dictator, is just nonsense. I watched him say that, what he was saying, and he's reckless in his, high, his exaggeration. Uh, you know, he was exaggerating for effect. But the point is, even if he wants to be a dictator, there's no power to do that. Mm-hmm. We in, a, in America, but we have a constitution, and well, the could, constitution still stands.
1: He could barely be a president, because the bureaucracy wouldn't let him do the basic Uh, decision-making, rule-making that a president's supposed to be afforded. They, you know, there was an insurrection. I would say it's the bureaucracy that said we will not, we will be the resistance and we will slow walk and destroy everything the guy tries to do. We just will not accept him as the president.
0: Yeah, I think that this Colorado case is very damaging to the people's confidence in their own democracy. Uh, The people of Colorado cannot be disenfranchised by the court. That can't happen and you can't apply the the old confederacy rules to Donald Trump it's just it's just stupid as as uh, governor wilder said and i'm i'm prayerfully hopeful that the supreme court will overturn it but i do not have complete confidence in the supreme court or any court at this point because over the years we have politicized that process mm-hmm. uh that the 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 supreme court now has seen as just another political body uh that's not good we mm-hmm. as a lawyer a former defense lawyer a constitutional lawyer uh, attorney general the public has to have confidence in the objectivity of the law uh, otherwise you lose everything just as they have lost in these authoritarian countries that i dealt with across the world yeah
1: well let's before we lose all of our time i do want to ask you about the update on the ukraine russia war I, I take note that a lot of the press is pointing out that today is day 666 of the war which you know i don't get into superstitious stuff but i'm I'm sure that will jump out at some people. Oh my God, what's going to happen on day six six six? What do? You, what is your assessment in this week of what?
0: Uh, I, I, what's happening? I continue to send a message to your. I continue to send a message to your listeners and anybody else who'll listen to you that this is the hinge of fate. Uh, if a, this is the most important issue in the world today, if the Ukrainians are conquered by force, and if Putin is permitted to see that that works. Uh, then you see things like the Hamas war in the Middle East, and you will see things in the Pacific, and then all of a sudden, at some point, the United States will wake up, just as they did in the '30s, uh, when there was great isolationism in this country, and Charles Lindbergh was out there preaching on behalf of the Nazis. Uh, you have now people in this in this country who really sort of want Russia to win, and uh, this is this is sooner or later, sooner or later, America will wake up to the fact that. We can't live in a world like that, uh, that our very survival depends upon a world that is based upon peace and security and democracy. And that's what we did at OSCE, and that's what I'm preaching now. And when that wake-up moment comes, we're going to end up mm-hmm. in a world war. I don't want that. I think this is the moment with Ukraine when this can be averted. But right now we're not talking about anything else. Um, we're talking about everything but the Ukraine war, but mm-hmm. the Ukraine war is the hinge of fate, I'm telling you.
1: And I assume you're still talking to people at the State Department and back in in uh, Vienna. I mean, is there a conversation to try to stop this? Or are we going to roll through the winter into 2024 and it just lumbers on?
0: Well, it's going to lumber on because Putin is, Putin is in Putin's hands. He can withdraw from Ukraine today. And if we continue to support the Ukrainians, eventually they will probably make it so expensive on the Russians that the Russians won't pull out. These are not uh, invulnerable people. We already saw the Wagner group, which are mercenaries and uh, rebel. We see that they're putting criminals on the front lines. They are miserable. Uh, everybody's miserable. We're sitting here in our warm houses here at Christmas time, and Merry Christmas to all your listeners, by the way. Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays. But in Ukraine, they're sitting in mud trenches trying to protect their country in the cold. Uh, and I think it's, it's wrong. For the Congress to delay on this. We're sending a message to Putin that we're giving up. That's what he's counting on. Uh, and we should not be doing that. We should be sending a, a message of strength and resolve uh, and uh, help the Ukrainians push the invaders out of their country. And then at that point, you're going to have a better world.
1: The former governor of Virginia, Jim Gilmore, former ambassador to Europe and, and, and our neighbor here in central Virginia. I always appreciate the chance to talk to you. And I hope you and Mrs. Gilmore and your family have a Merry Christmas too. Thank you for coming on throughout the year.
0: Merry Christmas to all your listeners. We're gonna have a great Christmas time, time now.
1: Thank you. It's 849. We're back with more in a moment on News Radio WRVA. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours